I could ask you a trivia question about if you know uh, who has the highest grossing tour of all of in music of all time. <laughs> it's not Swift yet, is it? That is correct. It's not. Is it Elton John? It is, but you know who number two is, which is crazy. I never would have thought. Uh, let me think. Uh, it's not you too, is it? No, they're in the top ten, but no. Uh, is it? Uh, I I know who it is, and you won't you won't guess it. And I won't crazy. guess it. Nope. Well, now I don't even want to try. <laughs> <laughs> give you a hint but it's too, it's an easy hint okay uh we just saw this act. it's ed sheeran number two really of all time including everyone like rolling stones really yep i didn't know ed had it in him he is a money machine yeah okay we ready to go yeah but okay. but swift is set to to oh, surpass yeah. everyone. She'll surpass everyone by a mile. Yeah. By the yeah. time it's all over with. Yeah. She's not even halfway through all her days. That's that's correct. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, okay. Good trivia, though. That's fine. Okay, yeah. you ready? Yeah. <laughs> Good day, listeners. It's My name is Chris King, and I am here with my daughter, Maggie King-Robinson. Please greet our people. Greetings, people. Hello. That was... <laughs> It's exactly what I was looking for. I'm, I'm if anything, a rule follower. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Uh, anyway. People pleaser, if you will. <laughs> and me too. Anyway, <laughs> um, we, our schedule has been a little bit lax lately. So I want to apologize to some of you uh, who are counting on our biweekly schedule and various issues. And but we're back with another uh, podcast uh, that's a little bit different, and I'm really, really excited to bring it. So let's get to way more important things. Uh, and Maggie, you did a lot of editing for a pretty long conversation that I had mm-hmm. with a guy named Bill Titano. And Bill, uh, you know, I am, I'm a therapist, and I work with a lot of therapists, and we've had therapists on the show before on a podcast. And they help us understand things that have to do with mental health and and working through difficult things in life. But, and Bill's not a therapist, Bill's a dude. And Bill has a story about dealing with tragedy and how it, it changed his life and how he has committed his life to being helpful for those who are experiencing um, the struggle of dealing with suicide or domestic violence, either personally or with family members. He's just kind of made it his life work to to help. And mm-hmm. I he's a wonderful dude. And I'm a little curious what your impression was, Maggie, of when you because you, you, we, we had to do some editing and kind of working through our conversation. It was just a couple of guys talking, you know, like what, mm-hmm. what was your take on a take on our guest, Bill? He he seems like the guy you want around when things feel like when everything's bad. That's would be my like overarching opinion. Like that's just the way, obviously in the things he's done for sure. I mean, that is a given, but the way he speaks of people and the work he does is 
it's just super apparent that that's the thing for him. Like, that's why he's here. That's um, what gives him energy, what he was made to do, I feel like. And hearing somebody talk about that thing for them, regardless of what it is, is always a powerful situation. So I really enjoyed the listen and the edit, not so much, but I did enjoy the listen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, and, and so this is important for all of you who are listening to know, like, I, I would warn you, like that the story, the story, Bill's story does in, in, uh, include uh, it's it's a violent story. It's a, a story that includes murder and suicide and loss. And if that's the uh, if that's a story that's, that's going to be not helpful for your mental health space, then you know you don't don't do it. It's fine. It's cool. Uh, skip skip the episode and let's talk about this. Do something else. Um, but I want to give that warning um, and. Also, there are times whenever people's, uh, if we're using stories where people's names are, are there with permission, and but sometimes we might make some edits here and there if there's someone's name involved in a story or a situation, or we want to just protect their identity and those kinds of things. And, and um, we've not done any of that so far, but we are doing that now. And so we want to make people aware of that, um, that we will go to great lengths to protect identities and to, uh, to protect privacy. Um, and um, but Bill's story is a public one, and it's one that he wants shared, um, and I want to share it. I, I want to, as, as we said, we want to have some fun in the conversation, and more importantly, bring something helpful into the world. So uh, without further ado, um, I want to get this thing going. Maggie, you ready to get it going? Ready to get it going. Because we've been, you know, dorking around here for a while. Um, and yeah. we, it's time to get Which, it going. It's time to get we're going. good at that, but we're also good at getting it going. <laughs> Absolutely. You want to, do you want to get it going? I have more than anything. I've been waiting for you to ask. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys. My name is Chris King, and I'm a licensed therapist. And today I am stuck in my head. <laughs> That's right, and Gus. So Let's Gus. do this. Let's go. That's right. Let's go. <laughs> So the purpose of the podcast, it's twofold and one is noble and the other is not. Um, The, the not noble purpose is it's because I want to do it. (laughs) That's like (laughs) it. That's it. Yeah. Because it's, it's enjoyable. And, Uh um, and, and I, when I was in fifth grade, um, we did a vocational assessment and, you know, and I, and, and I said, I wanted to be on the radio. And so that's I'm, I'm just doing it because I want to. Um, and and it's been fun. We've had I don't know how many episodes we have out, probably 20 or something like that or 15. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And, and, and the second reason is to just and it sounds kind of kind of broad, but just to mm-hmm. put something out there that's helpful to people. 
Right. And, right. And, and mental health is, is the connector. And sometimes it's very specific and that'll probably be our conversation today. And sometimes it's, uh, it's a, an angle into a story, you know, your story is interesting or super interesting. And then, you know, being me being the therapist, I kind of bring mm-hmm. that in. And, and so, right. and so that's what we do. You heard, you know, we had Carter on, we've had other therapists on, we've had child mm-hmm. experts, adolescent experts. And so we've just had a, a wide variety of conversations and, um, and I thought of you and I appreciate you being able to, at a short notice. So sometimes those are the best. You know, if it's not rehearsed and you're just talking from the heart, that well, usually that's what, works the best. Well, that's that's why you and I, I think, are kindred spirits, and and like we, but I I see that in you and recognize the value of authenticity and vulnerability being a a high priced item. It's it's not just a personality style; like it has, it serves great purpose for us to to just to be ourselves and tell the truth. Absolutely. And, and I know you believe that. So that's that's yeah. another reason why I want to talk. Hey, guys, uh, welcome to Stuck in My Head with Chris King. I want to give a big shout out to our co-host, Allison Myers, who is not with us. She is out with family in California. Uh, we love you. And but Allison's mom, Judy, we expect you to still be listening. Uh, and uh, so it's it's going to be me flying solo today uh, with our guest and our guest is an esteemed guest and he has been a friend of mine for not a real long time i would say for the last three or four years maybe bill does that sound about right right about 2019 yeah there you go yeah and covid makes all those all that time seem weird right Mm -hmm. yeah so so our our uh guest today is bill titano and i i met bill i mean there's some various ways in which I've come into contact with Bill, but we'll for sure, this was the one that's our point of reference would be. And some of you might've listened to the podcast that we put out not very long ago uh, with a young fellow named Carter Newcomb. And uh, Bill was one of several people that connected with Carter and, and Bill because of his story and his circumstances in life um came together with a group of cyclists and put together a group called Team Suicide Prevention and advocated for um, increased awareness to prevent suicides, for helping victims' families, for doing just kind of being there and, and creating events and awareness and media presence, conversations, one-on-ones, and doing a good, good thing. Um, and it's, it has been, it was incredibly inspiring to me and it's been great to get to know you. And every time I see you at an event, you brighten my day because I didn't know you until this stage of your life and this stage of my life, but I know what you stand for and it gives me energy. And so our conversation today is going to be focused around some of the events in Bill's life. He has a story that's a public story. Uh, and I've said this before. Uh, we would, we'll never use the stories of anyone that we ever work with in our practice, obviously, because their confidentiality is a sacred trust. But there are several people in our lives in other contexts that have said, you know, my story, my challenge, uh, the things that have happened to me or that I've been a part of, 
um, people need to know about it so that I, maybe it can be helpful in the world. And uh, so we've seen Bill do this. And so, uh, and Bill's also a, a pretty badass cyclist as well, um, of which I just kind of sit back and watch as I'm gen can generally out of shape all the time. So, um, so Bill, welcome. <clears throat> can you tell us a little bit about how, maybe what led you to me? Like what got you to team suicide prevention? We can get into your story. But tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, kind of like where you come from and what your context is. Tell us. Okay. So I came, uh, I was actually born on the island of Guam and uh, my mother was Guamanian. Her father was, uh, was white. Uh, he was a Marine Corps sergeant stationed on Guam and married uh, my grandmother. And okay. uh and so that's how our generation started was on the island of Guam. Now, my birth father was from the Philippines. Uh, I was born in 1948. So uh, that was uh, three years after the war, uh, World right. War II. And so, so uh, my uh, birth father left me when I was uh, three years old. Uh, he went back to the Philippines and, uh, you know, I don't know anything about him. Uh, I tried to uh, do some DNA testings, but uh, it just kind of leads to dead ends. Uh, yeah. And that's OK. You know, that's fine. So uh, we traveled from uh, the island of Guam. My mother married a guy named Lee Wormington. And uh, so he brought me and my oldest sister, who was three years older than I am to the to the United States and so we traveled all over the different parts of the United States he was in the concrete construction business okay and so uh, we traveled around uh, wherever the jobs were available for him I settled mostly in in uh, Oklahoma City uh, but we had traveled all over the United States and uh, but Oklahoma City became kind of my my stomping grounds and that's where I went to high school and attended college and uh, work. I went to I went to Central State when it was just a uh, a college uh, before it came a university. Yeah. Uh, I went to OU for a couple semesters and then uh, I went to TU, and <clears throat> I ended up in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1974. Uh, I got a job as a graphic design designer. And uh, heart's always been one of the things that I've really enjoyed. Uh, uh, it relaxes me. It, uh, it, 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 it helps me uh, get through a lot of uh, trials and tribulations or stress, things like that. And mm -hmm. so I used to tr uh, paint, draw, do pottery, a little bit of everything. Um, <clears throat> I started working for Oklahoma Natural Gas in 1968 in Oklahoma City, transferred to Tulsa in 1974, and have been in Tulsa ever since. Uh, okay. I have two, uh, two daughters. Uh, one is deceased, and, and I'll get to that later. Uh, both my parents, uh, my mother and stepfather, are both deceased. Uh, I have my oldest sister, who was three years older than me. Um, 
she was an alcoholic and she died from complications from alcoholism. And, um, and that was quite a tragedy. It, it, it was an eye opener for me. Uh, I myself had experienced drugs and alcohol clear back in the mid eighties. And, uh, in 1988, I was 40 years old, and I decided to make a difference and make some changes in my life. And so I traded all that stuff for health and fitness. And so that's where I'm at right now. Uh, I was a three-pack-a-day smoker. Uh, I did cocaine, crank, uh, smoke pot. You name it, I did it. And uh, But I don't do it now, you know. And uh, and and I'm thankful for that uh, because it's led me to a better place in my life. All these years, you know, I've I've always been uh, interested in sports. Uh, I started out as a wrestler in high school, and uh, got into uh, playing tennis, and uh, proceeded tennis when when I moved to Tulsa, and played competitive tennis, and then I got into running and uh mm. so when i made my life change at age 40 that's when i started doing i weighed uh 230 pounds did, did and, you just uh, did you just quit substances cold turkey did you get any kind of treatment or anything like that or? i did not i just went totally uh uh cold turkey chris and and let me tell you uh i probably came closer to dying at that time because uh uh, just the coming off of, yeah. of all those drugs at one time. Uh, I mean, I, I was in the bathroom. I had the shakes. Uh, I had taken off work for, oh, about three weeks. Wow. To, to drive yeah, myself right. out. Right. And one of the guys that worked for me, I had called him and I said, hey, buddy, I said, Every once in a while, come over at my house and bang on the door, make sure I'm alive. God. If I don't answer, come to the door and, and, and save me, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, get me to the hospital or whatever. But I'm going to try and do this on my own. And I, and I did. Wow. You know, I, I got through the DTs. I, I, I watched the walls melt, all that right. stuff. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm thankful to be alive, you know, right mm. now and, and, and be able to tell this story because. A lot of the guys that I knew back then, they're dead because yeah. of, of their substance abuse. And so I decided that health and fitness was just going to be a, a part routine of my life. And, and it has been uh, even at age 75. And so <clears throat> where what happened to me, uh, one of the tragedies that happened to me was uh, the death of my daughter in 2016. Mm -hmm. Uh, my, my beautiful daughter, Celeste, uh, which let me go back a little bit. And the reason I quit doing all those drugs was because I made a promise and commitment to her mm. that I was no longer going to do any of this because I'd found some pot in her purse. Ah. And at that, at that time we were at a family reunion and I took her out in the lake in the middle of, you know, my boat. And, and I said, all right. So you got pot in your purse. Uh, what do you got to say about that? So I stay and she goes, well, dad, it's your pot. <laughs> and, wow. you know, I was busted, 
you know, right there. It's like that TV commercial, right? Remember that TV yeah, commercial? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, I said, okay, what's it going to take for you not to do this? And she says, you quit, I quit. Mm. And that's when I stopped, 1988, right then. I just turned 40. And it was like, okay, now time to make changes in my body and my mind and, and my health. Mm. And so... Yeah. Yeah, that happened immediately. You know, I started losing weight, got into running. And uh, within three months, I ran my first 5K. Uh, within five months, I ran my first half marathon. Within six months, I ran my first marathon. Holy moly. And uh, I've never looked back. You know, I got I got into cycling and uh, and that's just kind of been my forte. But kind of going back to back to Celeste, um, the tragedy is what made me do what I'm doing today. Uh, her death, uh, my my daughter Celeste died. She was a victim of a murder suicide. Her uh, her soon to be ex husband. They had just, uh, she, I think he had just got served his papers for the mm -hmm. divorce. They were on the island of Kauai. And, uh, and going back a little bit, uh, her husband was a, uh, was a millionaire. He had, he had invested and made a lot of money in the insurance business. And he was one of these kind of guys that just uh, gloated. And I think, I think money was, was his Achilles heel yeah. because without it, uh, he didn't feel like he, he was anything or anybody. And, uh, so what happened was he, he made all these millions of dollars and then all of a sudden they decided to go move to the Island of Kauai. And, and which, you know, that's a great plan, but, uh, but what happened was he decided to become a day trader. And he started using day trader, day trading to try and supplement his income and make more money. Well, long story short, he traded all of his money away. Yeah. And so when he did that, he just, he went downhill and he went downhill fast. I knew his parents. Mm. I went to high school with his parents. Wow. When my daughter told me that she was dating Chase, I thought, I know his parents. Right. I know his dad. His dad and I were wrestled together in high school. We we took art classes together. I knew his mother. His mother was a, was just a sweetheart of a woman, and and but committed suicide when Chase oh. was sixteen years old. Oh my! And so when Chase started acting up and having all these issues. Uh, Jealousy, possessiveness, uh, uh, controlling behaviors. Uh, he was always quick to want to get involved and, and be in control of everything. Uh, he always wanted to isolate my daughter away from me. Uh, mm. He was always blaming others for his problems. Uh, all these traits of someone that, uh, that demonstrates, you know, uh, possessiveness. And almost uh, to a point that that he was hard to get along with. Uh, you know, I just kind of I didn't ignore it. 
but I allowed it to happen because I felt, I felt compassion for him because of what his mother went through, you know, and what, what he was going through with it, you know, with the, the death of his mom. And so at that time, I didn't know what all the behavior symptoms were, you know, uh, all I was is a guy having fun and riding his bike and, and enjoying life. And all of a sudden this guy calls me and he says, Hey, Bill, I'm in a really bad way. Uh, I've lost my, my home. I've lost my money. I've lost my wife. Uh, I'm lost myself. And I'm, I'm just in a mental, really bad mental way. And, and, and I said, well, well, Chase, you know, there are programs out there. There's, there's outreach centers that you can call and get a hold of that can help you. And I said, but, you know, you got to take that step, you know, and it's, they're just a call away. Well, you know, Chris, had I known then what I know now, I would have been the one making the calls for him. Well, I would have sure. been on that phone, you know, calling these folks. I'm going, hey, I got a son-in-law that's in trouble and needs help, you know. So long story short. But you could he, have never uh, obviously have known that it was. Because it no, was, that no, was no. as volatile yeah. as it was, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and, you know, <clears throat> the interesting thing about it, he always kept my daughter up on a pedestal. And I would have never thought in a million years that he would harm her because he's never hit her. You know, he always glorified her. He loved her. Uh, she was his, you know, queen. Uh, his whole life revolved around her. Right. And and so when that happened, it 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 shocked me, you know, and uh, but what happened was he ambushed her. And uh, when he got served those papers, I guess he, he just went over the edge. That was it. He was done. He felt like. Uh, if I can't have her, no one's going to have her. And so <clears throat> Celeste had just gotten home. And was getting out of the car, and she heard some running, like someone running. And she looked, and it was Chase. He was running towards her with a gun. He had borrowed a gun from a work uh, workmate uh, and borrowed his car, too, so uh, Celeste wouldn't recognize it, you know, or recognize his car. And so Celeste took off running and screamed for Pierce's. She says, Pierce, hide, you know. Uh, and then, of course, he shot, and he shot her in the back. And Pierce and, uh, is uh, her daughter. Pierce is my granddaughter. Yeah, at that right. time, Pierce was 10 years old. So she witnessed the murder of her mother. Uh, Shay shot her twice. But, you know, I wanted all the details from the detective when, when, I, when I got to Kauai. And so... Uh, when I'd heard that my daughter had been killed, uh, I immediately got on a plane and, and flew to Kauai. Uh, my, my first instinct was rescue my granddaughter, help mm -hmm. her, get her mm -hmm. out of there, yeah. and which I did. Uh, my whole time on the island of Kauai was, was, was a nightmare. Uh, and, and, uh, and then of course seeing my daughter, uh, was even worse. 
And uh, it was almost like, it was hard to believe that, that that happened. You know, I keep thinking, I kept thinking it didn't happen. She's, she's going to call me and, and we're going to yeah. talk, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we came back to Oklahoma. I had Pierce with me and, uh, and bless her heart. Uh, she was crying every night. So, you know, she, uh, school was getting ready to start. And, and I told Pierce, I said, look, hon, I said, help me help you. I said, you know, we were both suffering from a tragedy that I don't know that we will ever get, get, get past. And I said, but, uh, you've got school coming up. And, and, you know, on the island of Kauai, the atmosphere, uh, the school atmosphere is really relaxed. You know, they don't really, <laughs> it's like if you pass, you pass. If you don't, you don't. You know, at noon, everybody everybody takes off and goes to the beach and hangs goes out. Goes to the beach, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, the family joins them at the beach, you know. So half the day is at school. The other half is, is playing in the beach. The hang loose thing really uh, fits for, for that island. Yeah, and so yeah, I, the, the culture is pervasive. Absolutely. So I told Pierce, I said, I said, sweetie, I said, you know, you're a really smart kid and uh, you're you're going to have to study really hard. I said, I know you can do this because you you're, you have a good memory retention. And uh, and she did. I mean, she could recite songs. I mean, she could sing it word for word, any song that, that was on the radio. Uh, and she put on little uh, little skits uh, with her friends doing hula dances and, and all the hand movements and stuff like that. Yeah, right. right. And, and so she was really good at that. So anyway, uh, she went to school and I had talked to her teachers and I said, listen, uh, let me tell you what's happened to my, my granddaughter. And of course, by the time I got through talking to them, they were all crying. You know, well, sure. Absolutely. And, and but you know what? Pierce got the, the best attention ever. And within three months, she was on the honor roll. Hmm. Just like that. I mean, every day I'd, I'd come home and she'd be on the table reading and studying all night long, you know, and uh, getting up early in the morning, reading and studying. She's been so much help for me, you know, and. And, uh, and she's grown. Oh my gosh. I mean, uh, Pierce is as tall as I am now, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and she chauffeurs me around cause she's 16 now. So she drives me around. So well, she you keeps know, that, growing and she keeps growing and you keep shrinking. That's gonna, well, exactly. And that's exactly what's <laughs> happening is I'm shrinking, you know? <laughs> and so anyway, that, that's my story about what happened in 2016. Well, in 2018, uh, a friend of mine asked me to join a, uh, a race team to go do Race Cross America. And I said, oh, that sounds like fun. And I said, is there a reason or a cause behind what you're doing? And he goes, oh, yeah. He says it's uh, about mental health awareness. And I go, yeah, I like that. Mm. You know, because of my daughter's death, I thought, you know what? That's something that needs to be brought to attention to everybody. Mental health mm -hmm. awareness. And I said, I'm in. I'm in. 
we were we were supposed to race in 2019. It, it just didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> uh, for different reasons, it, it, it just wasn't organized and, uh, and I knew it wasn't going to happen. And so I quit the team and I decided that I was going to form my own team, which I did. And uh, I had some help from a lot of uh, good friends of mine. And uh, I, I started handpicking people to be on, my, on, my, on the race team. And uh, so our plan was to race in 2020. Well, COVID hit. and Yeah, right. And you know what? And that was a blessing in disguise because we weren't ready. We weren't, we weren't financially ready at that point. We mm-hmm. still needed to uh, get and create more sponsorship. 2019, you know, we, we, we got our team together. 2021, uh, everybody was pulling hard, working hard uh, to get sponsorships and, and raise funds. And we ended up raising right around $95,000. Wow. And uh, yeah. And of course, uh, with that said, it, you know, that race itself, when, when you look at, we had, eight team members racing it was a co-ed team and uh, and then we had eight crew members so we had 16 people so by the time you flew everybody and and hotel reservations and uh car rentals vehicle rentals things like that uh it got expensive you know i can imagine yeah uh matter of fact it i think it Costs us somewhere in the neighborhood of $52,000 to do that race. But wow. the money that we had left over, we started donating it to our organizations, such as uh, Coffee Bunker, uh, Hope is Oxygen, Hope is Alive. And, uh, and so, you know, it, it, it made me feel good knowing that, that we were doing something great and and so it was interesting i was at bixby bicycles talking to my really good friend buster brown who owns is who's the owner at bixby bicycles and right and he had a uh, he had a teammate a young lady that committed suicide and that mm-hmm. was in 2020 and uh and that's where he and i actually started uh, working together because uh, Team Suicide Prevention was there and he hosted a, a ride uh, in memory of her and I think there was somewhere in the neighborhood of five or eight thousand dollars raised that, that day and so we handed that money over to uh, Linda Pulver who is the uh, founder of Hope is Oxygen. Hope is Oxygen is an organization, it's a nonprofit organization that uh, works with uh, people who have lost loved ones. Uh, They build a hope box, it's really uh, unique. And uh, that hope box just gives uh, meaning and spirit to someone's heart that's broken, you know? Mm. And, and, and so she, you know, she builds these hope boxes. And as a matter of fact, I just delivered one just just recently. Uh, 
to uh, to someone that just passed away last week. Uh, but anyway, so uh, after Race Across America, I thought, well, you know, my legs are pretty shot, but I think I'm good for one more race. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so both of my knees were were in pretty uh, terrible shape. Uh, matter of fact, my orthopedic uh, doctor told me he says it's the worst case of, of bad knees he's ever seen and uh, he says so what am I supposed to do give you some more injections and I said yes sir that's exactly <laughs> the plan you know <laughs> so he gave me some injections and so this next race was called race across the west and again same purpose to raise hope and awareness that suicide is preventable and mm. and uh we finished that race. It was a team of four of us, and uh, and we were all seniors. And uh, of course, I was the oldest at age seventy-four. And uh, but we f- we finished that race in two and a half days. It was a thousand miles. It started in Oceanside, California, and ended up in uh, Durango, Colorado. What do I want people to know about uh, about what we're doing? Yeah, uh, I want people- yeah. T- tell me. I want to know two things. Well, why do this? Might sound like a dumb question, but it's like, why do this? Number two, what has helped you? Because you know, Bill, you're you're a victim of this of this situation, and your granddaughters, you know, your granddaughter, like granddaughter is, and and so I, yeah. Why do this? What what do you what do you why? What's the purpose? And then, which I know again might sound like a dumb question. And then the other thing, like. What is, what is helping you? Because when you said 2016, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It actually wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Well, you know, Chris, I didn't have time to uh, have a breakdown, have a mental breakdown. Yeah. Uh, my concern was, was my granddaughter and, and her mental health. So, you know, I, I knew that we had to do something and we had to do it fast. All those feelings don't go away, you know. No. They come, they they come out in different ways, and sometimes they come out in a, in anger, and uh, that's uncontrollable. That you have to just try and talk that person down as much as you can. Which I kind of had that episode yesterday with with Pierce, mm-hmm. where we were sure. just talking, and then all of a sudden she went into a switch where, uh, well, Papa, I. I shouldn't go with you because I really don't belong and I really don't belong anywhere, you know? And, and so I, I looked at her and said, well, you belong here. You belong with me. And I'm always going to be here for you as long as I can, hun. you know, I said, you know, I've always got your back and always will. You know, I was telling you, I, I never got closure, yes. but I did get closure. And I, I'll tell you the story real quick. But yeah, I want to know. I was I was riding, I was racing in Maryland on the last leg of, of uh, Race Across America, and I've got my head down. I'm down in my drops, and I'm just just cranking just out getting, wattage, getting and, it. Yep. And I'm feeling great. I'm feeling. I mean, you know, I've been racing. You know. For a week and my I'm getting stronger actually you know mm. 
and I'm just down and just getting after it. And then all of a sudden, I hear my daughter's voice. Hmm. And she says, Dad, Dad, slow down and smell the roses. And I, I thought I was hallucinating. I thought, you know, uh, seven hours of sleep for seven days, you know, you get kind of dingy. And I thought, am I hallucinate? What? And then I heard it again. Dad, slow down. Slow down, Daddy. Smell the roses. And then her vision appeared in front of me. And it was like her body, her, her soul entered my body. And I was just in a state of euphoria. It, it was uh, probably the most beautiful thing I've ever felt in my life. Uh, because all of a sudden, the race didn't matter. And I was just there riding, but enjoying the moment. You were you present. Know? Yeah, her presence was with me. And, mm -hmm. and, and that's all, that's really all I wanted was, was her presence. I wanted that closure Amen. and I got it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so that is why I do what I'm doing is because, uh, it's, it's all about her and it's all about Pierce. But the other thing is that, you know, you, you mentioned Carter, um, man, mm -hmm. what a story. Yeah. I mean, you know, when we met this kid, I rode with him side by side all the way to Bristol, Oklahoma. And we talked the whole time. And I was just asking him questions after, after one after another. And I said, so Carter, tell me about your depression. What happens to you? He says, well, it's like waves, Bill. It's just like big tidal waves coming in, you know? And, uh, he says, uh, it's hard to explain, but, when they come in, it's like I'm being captured in these waves and I can't get out. I'm being submerged in water. And he says, I, I've, if someone tries to help me, I end up fighting with them. And yeah. he says, so what I have to do is just relax and let the waves go back out to the sea. And then I can start thinking again. And so, like, I've never heard that before, you know, but, but that's how he felt. So, you know, everybody feels totally different, you know. And uh, so, anyway, seeing him where he's at now, because he went, you know, he went to a, a full circle. Right. He went from Midland, Michigan to Oklahoma, got his bike completely refixed and built left there and started off to California and we made Carter an honorary member of team suicide prevention and gave him a Jersey to wear. And so Charlotte and I decided that we were going to stay in contact with him because I had his phone number and I'd call him up and I go, Hey, done, buddy. And he goes, well, I'm just plugging along, Bill, you know how it is, but you know what? Man, this country is beautiful. I go, you know what? Isn't that worth living for? Just seeing all that? And he goes, oh, absolutely. I said, are you taking any pictures? He goes, you know what? I'm not because all the pictures that I see are in my mind. I go, how cool is that? How cool is that? 
just and has so, his you eyes know, open, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we found we found places for him to stay all the way to California. I, Charlotte would would look up all these places and then she'd give me these phone numbers and a contact person. I'd give him a call and I said, hey, my name's Bill Titano. I'm from Team Suicide Prevention. One of our team members is going to be coming through your your town. I was wondering if you had a place available for him to stay. And and, and uh, what would be even better is, is if you if you had a place for him to shower and clean up, and uh, and if you could afford if you could afford him a meal, that would even be better, you know. And and it's interesting because we always got someone to help him, you know. And it was just a simple phone call, you know, coming from the heart, you know. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have a made up skit or anything like that. It was just. It was just me talking to you like we're talking right now. Right. And so he gets to California. He's on this hype. He gets back to Midland, Michigan. His dad, who is a, a, a surgeon, you know, really nice guy. Um, I, I met him. And, and as a matter of fact, he was in Tulsa when Carter did uh, Iron Man Tulsa. And and so uh, I hung out with his dad and I and I know his mother and she's a sweetheart of a lady. There was nothing wrong with his family life. It was just him. He was he was battling his own demons. So he's in Midland, Michigan. All of a sudden I get a call. And so I've always told all my young people to call me Papa Kula. That's a Hawaiian name for the elder, you know, the family Mm -hmm. elder. And so he calls me, he says, Papa Kula. And I go, hey, Carter. He goes, I'm in a bad way. He says, I'm back to where I was. And it's, it's not good. I'm, <clears throat> I don't feel like I belong. I'm, I'm ready to, to end it. I can't do this. I can't take this anymore. And I said, don't do anything until you hear from me. Don't make any decisions. Keep your head up, you know, think about what you've done, you know, and we're going to make we're going to do something about this. So I called Cope. They sent someone there to help him immediately, you know. And so, you know, I, I believe in, in, in that, you know, it, it, it does work. And so they sent someone to help him and work with him. I called Mike Gillian. I said, Mike, we got a we got a problem. We got an issue here. We got to get Carter away from Midland, Michigan. He says, you think we ought to bring him to Oklahoma? I said, absolutely. Bring him to Tulsa. So we did. You know, we got him to Tulsa. Uh, we got him a job with Bixby Bicycles working as a mechanic. Today, he's the co-owner of City Cycles, the shop that repaired his bike for free. Yeah, I know, right? Isn't that it's crazy? Nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. So, you know, those stories like that, uh, and, and I won't go through all of them, but, but uh, one of my, my uh, members, uh, she calls me and, she's, and she says, I don't want to live anymore. And I go, where are you? She goes, in my condo. I go, where's your condo? She goes, well, you know, those three-story condos. I go, yeah, I know where they're, I know exactly where they're at. I'm 150 yards from you. <laughs> We're having a, an event right now. It's called Out of the Darkness Walk. 
It's, it's about suicide prevention. I need you to come see me. Can you do that? And she goes, well, I'm afraid to. And she had mm-hmm. been in, a, in, a, in a, a really abusive relationship. This guy had beaten her up so bad that he not just beat her up physically, but he beat her up mentally to the point where she didn't want to live anymore. And she'd been hospitalized, I don't know, three or four times. So today, she's always got a big smile on her face. She's living life. She's having fun. And, you know, just her smile means everything to me, you know, because, you know, we've worked hard trying to get her where she needs to be, you know, to let her know that it's okay, you know, to feel these pains. It's okay to talk about it. And, and, and it's okay for, for you to cry whenever you want to. And I'm there to support you any way I can, you know, and, you know, and I mean that to the bottom of my heart, you know, I, and I think that's why this is so important to me is because every episode, everything that goes on becomes a part of me. That's my goal is to continue this for as long as I can. I need a young predecessor. You know anybody? <laughs> yeah, I know a few. I know a few. I have a, I have a couple of questions for you. Sure. Um, well, okay. You're you're not a licensed mental health professional. You're a you're a dude. You're a guy who has gone through unspeakable tragedy. And I'm a little curious. You you do not seem compelled to try to. Um, I don't know, fix a situation It, I mean, what would you say to people, regular people that get thrust into these situations who would say, I don't know what to say to my friend or my spouse or my daughter that is struggling with, um, and, and honestly, it could be either issues of suicidal ideation or those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Or another issue is just the issue of I feel trapped in a, a relationship that's dangerous too. Like I, yeah. what, 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 what would you say to those people? Cause I have people all the time come to me and they're like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't know what to say. I'm like, I don't know if that's the point. Well, I mean, a lot of folks have asked me to talk to them, you know, and, and what I do is, is right off the cuff, Chris, I, I tell people, Hey, I'm, I'm not a counselor. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. And, but I am someone willing to listen to you and point you in a direction. You know, and, and that's the thing is you got to listen. You know, uh, people don't do that enough. Uh, so many people are too busy thinking about what they want to say that they're not listening to the person that's in trouble. I think what I'm hearing you say is in, in these crisis situations, what if our job was to be a human being that cares and we didn't have to possess a special skill set except the love that God has put in us for our mm-hmm. people? <clears throat> like that's that that is that's kind of it. And then pointing them in the direction of someone that can if they if there needs to be a hospitalization or something that's a that's a, a an intervention which many times that's the case mm-hmm. uh, like it's getting aligning us our ourselves with some professionals and i think the thing for me is like okay like i think we can help people do that and that's going to save 
a lot of lives. And then the next step is for us to pay attention and being generous and hospitable in creating communities where people don't feel alone. Yeah, I've, I've had people tell me, they'll go, well, I'm not a cyclist, so I don't know if I would fit in with team suicide prevention. And I said, you don't have to be a cyclist. You just have to be someone that cares. That's right. That's willing, that's willing to help. I, I'm a little curious also that our brains are designed in ways that, that elevate the need for survival. So our, our survival brain, feeling anxiety, fear, anger, even like these are emotions that are part of human experience and our natural reactions to, to things that can happen that can be terrible things. And so what happens with PTSD is that we, our worst case scenarios are so traumatic and shocking and visceral and terrible that our brain then kind of takes anything that smells like or feels like it might be dangerous or bad or, or even conflict, you know, like you talked about anger just coming out of nowhere with your granddaughter and, and it adopts that. And so we get involved, our brain just kind of stays in a fight, flight or freeze mode, like for many, for many folks for their lives. Mm -hmm. And when you talked about being present in that moment, when you're riding and, and seeing the image of your daughter and hearing her voice, I just want to, I guess I just want to take this opportunity to remind people that, that there is healing and there is hope and presence many times is, is, is that way, be it in prayer, be it in paying attention to what is around you. Like Carter was, as he was riding his bike and saying, Oh, this place is so beautiful. But if you weren't involved in the work that you're doing, would you have ever darkened the door of those circles? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like at this stage of your life, like a lot of guys just are like going off and drinking beer with their buddies and playing 18. Uh -huh. And what you've chosen to do as a result, as a result of the tragedy and as a result of that inner calling, that, that need to turn something unspeakable into something that could maybe save a life is that you're having exposure to groups of people in housing projects and cycling clubs on the side of the road. And, and this is the thing that I hear you said that I'm like, this is what I want a piece of what I want people to get today is, <laughs> you know, guy starts up a conversation with you and you're not like, yeah, that's nice. But I mean, good luck, but I, I gotta be someplace. No, you said, you mind me asking what's going on? And you don't, you know, you don't, <laughs> It's not even really costing you anything except your time. And, and like, you're making a difference. It's just a big deal, Bill. It's yeah. inspiring. And <laughs> I know you would say, well, I'm no better than anybody else. And by the way, I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that kind of joking. Yeah. Like I, well, I, I, I kind of put my pants on crooked, you know, because my legs <laughs> exactly. are so jacked right. up. But, right, you know. right. But, but here's, here's the thing, though. We, you and I, we are as important as everyone else. And so taking pride and taking opportunities to see a responsibility to help our fellow man. Let me tell you something like, and, and those of you, our friends who are listening to us today, like when you've been tempted 
to do the right thing and reach out and hear someone. Or if you have someone that's in danger or in trouble, like what if we actually ask the question, how you doing? Right? How you doing? I know I, I want to know. And I don't know if I can fix, I'm probably not going to fix anything, but would it be helpful if I just heard you? Well, you know, since um, I guess past six months, I've probably recruited 30 people into my organization because I've, I've had folks just go, I want to be part of what you're doing. And yeah. I'm going, oh, that's awesome. Thank you. That would yeah, be great. That's right. right. Yeah, that's because right. there's a lot to it and there's a lot of work. And if you're willing to work and help, you know what? Uh, your rewards are going to be even better. Because when you see when you see someone that was willing to kill themselves and now they're smiling and laughing and having a good time, man, that means more to me than than you know than a hundred thousand dollars. Of course, I could use a hundred thousand, but 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 you know what? If 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 there was a difference of saving someone's life. I'd save someone's life. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Money's just can, money. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not taking any of it with us. So, right. What, uh, hey, how can people reach you? Is there an email or, a, or an organization contact yeah, they, if they want to contribute or volunteer or whatever? Sure. They can reach me uh, through our website, www dot team suicide prevention dot com uh usually if you just look up team suicide prevention dot com it'll take you right to our to our uh, our, our web page and uh the administrator for our team is is a really good close friend of mine craig jackson and he's just done a wonderful job <laughs> on 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 our craig? <laughs> you know craig, craig. Well, I know of Craig and I've had interactions with Craig and, and he doesn't know me. I'm pretty sure. I mean, some people know my name, you know, cause I sponsor stuff and whatever, but like Craig's freaking warrior. That guy. That oh, he guy. is. Holy moly. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I have peeled him off a bicycle saddle, not just at race cross America, but race cross the West. It's the only guy I know that gives 150% into what he's doing. I mean, he just goes full all out. You don't have to worry about Craig because he's not going to be the slacker. He's not going to be the weak link. You know, no. he's going to give it all he's got. And, and that's what he that's what he's doing, you know, with with uh, our cause. Uh, and you can see his handiwork when you pull up our website. But uh Good, good. Uh, I have Craig, uh, Joel Cantor, very good uh, friend of mine, Tim Whiteside, probably yep. the guy that, that's on our team that I've known the longest. Uh, Tim and I basically grew up together in, in, in the running and, and into cycling, you know, uh, and these are all really good, good people. Uh, you ever want someone, you ever need someone to have your back? Those are the guys that will do it. Those three, you know. Well, and so we, we, privilege. yeah, we we need to have those kinds of people in our life. And if we don't, we it's important for us to go to places where it seems like those people hang out. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. And, and a team suicide prevention, like that, would probably be made up with some good folk. 
right? Uh, so if, right. if you don't have your people, show up to something mm -hmm. like that, and there's a pretty good chance you're going to make a couple friends, and they're going to be the right kind of people. You know what I mean? I want to show you this real quick. You see that? Can yeah, you yeah. see that? I'm looking at a, a raffle for suicide prevention, $5 for ticket. It looks like a, a, a bike, a bike raffle that you guys are doing. Exactly. So we're raffling this bike off and it's $5 a raffle. And all they got to do is call Bixby Bicycles. The bike is right there. Or they can actually go to BixbyBicycles.com slash products raffle tickets to support team suicide prevention. And they can, they can easily donate five bucks there. And, uh, this bike is a Denago e-bike. It's about okay, a two thousand cool. dollar bicycle, you know. Oh, so, awesome. and this is part of the way of, of, of us raising money is doing stuff like that. And that was actually donated by Buster Brown himself. And so, you talk about a buddy that is uh, so dear to to what we're doing and working so hard and diligently. To, to make everything that we do happen, he's the guy. I mean, I just uh, can't, I can't say enough about this guy. And, you know, I, there's so many people in our organization that that I, I can just tell you I love them because they're, they're, good, they're good people and they're good friends, you know. And uh, well, let's, I, I love being surrounded that. with those folks. No, you want that. Let's use this as a quick opportunity to also encourage our people that listen to us to, to frequent Buster's shop in Bixby and and then also Carter and the guys at City over in Jinx, wherever it is that you live, like let's support what these guys are doing. Um uh we know how to get a hold of you. I just want to tell you thank you for your generous time tonight. We'll put together something to put out there to people. And the goal is as usual, like have a helpful conversation, you know, and enjoy ourselves and and if anyone can get more out of this, uh, if you are if you are struggling, um, if you have a family member or a loved one who is struggling, like ask about talk about it and get help. Dial nine eight eight. If you need to get a hold of Divis, if someone is in danger, call them. And but but don't remain silent. Whether it's you or your loved one, like say something. Your life matters. The lives of those we love matter so much. Every everyone's life is a gift, and so um, I just want to, I just want, I just want to thank you, Bill, for reminding us of that today. Well, thank you, We're Chris. Gonna... It's as always. It's always a pleasure seeing you and and talking to you. Yeah, it's great. Have a good Thanks, evening, brother. We'll talk All soon. Right. All right. Bye bye. Well, my friends, that'll do it. I want to thank our guests. And here for the closer, I want to make sure and thank the most important people who make this thing happen every time. Maggie King takes care of our production, editing, promotion. She gets the podcast out there. And I'm so appreciative of the work that she does. Allison Myers, your guest host, you've been assigned that duty. You've been assigned the duty of being my friend for many years. God help you. Team at Chris King Counseling. We have a group of therapists and just and folks in our office and people that are making it happen day in and day out, doing a great job for the clients, 
that are seeking relational mental health care. We love our people. We want to make a difference in their lives, and, and I'm so proud of the people that I work with. Lastly, emotional support dogs, Rocky, Hank, and honorary support grand dog, Gus. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Please remember, you've got what it takes, and be good. Thanks.